Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. Well, it is great to be in church today. Can I hear an amen? Year 2008. God is in charge of calendars. He started them. He's the one that came up with the 24-hour day. He's the one who started with the sunset, sunrise, first day, seven days, week, month, 12-month, year, year, decade, decade, century, century, millennium. It's God that came up with a calendar. Why? Because God knows how to shut some things out and open new things up. Every day is a new day. Every day when you get up, you have the ability, the capacity to actually shut yesterday, open today, thank God for his faithfulness, cleanse your heart, walk in the spirit, and have a brand new day. It's up to you. It's also the same way with the year. We just shut the door to 2007. Now we open the door to 2008. We're going to do this together as one congregation, as all of us in City Bible Church at one time. Last night, the 5 o'clock service and 7 o'clock service. and This morning, the 9 o'clock service in all campuses. Now the 11 o'clock service in all campuses. Then the 1 o'clock Hispanic service. And then the 5 o'clock Laotian service. And then the Burmese service. And then we have all the people gathered together, kind of pointed the same direction. And that is a direction of prayer. Waiting on God, dedication, opening this new year together with the spirit of faith and closing out 2007, leaving everything that is in that year behind and opening up to a whole new year. We're going to pray a prayer, 2008 prayer. I'm going to have you pray this out loud with me as your declaration, my declaration for this coming year. Are you ready? Year 2008, here we go. Everyone together, let's read this out loud. In Jesus' name, by the power of the blood shed on the cross, by the authority of the scriptures, I declare this to be a year of amazing fruitfulness, bountiful supply, increase of God's presence, and a new level of passion for God, for church, and for people. Awaken me, Lord. Make me thirsty for you. And my soul will follow hard after you. Let's read the last sentence again with awaken. Here we go, everyone. Awaken me, Lord. Make me thirsty for you. And my soul will follow hard after you. One more time. Awaken me, Lord. All right, we're going to do something a little different also this morning. I want everybody to uh, go to their knees. We're going to start this year on our knees. I believe this is a very prophetic act we're doing. Prophetic meaning foretelling, foretelling, seeding the future. Prophetic that you're on your knees right now. Some of you don't spend a lot of time on your knees. Prayer is new to some of you. Holy Spirit activity is new. But this would be the year, hopefully, that you will press in and you will find 
a great release of the Holy Spirit in your life for prayer and seeking God. I want you to do what Solomon did of old. He said he built an altar. He knelt down on it. He spread his hands toward heaven. I want everybody just to kneel on your altar and spread your hands toward heaven. Your altar is your heart, your attitude, your spirit toward God. If you're away from the Lord, this is a great time to whisper a prayer and say, God, here I am. If you're an unsaved person, never, ever knelt before God before, this is a great time to say, God, can you come into my life? I I don't understand this, but I know I need you. We're all starting this year with the same hope and the same hunger. Oh, God, this morning we spread our hand toward heaven. Lord, we thank you for the cross of Christ. We thank you for the blood that was shed, the sacrifice that was given, that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day and was seen by many people. Lord, we know that you're alive today. You have risen from the dead and we serve a living God. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh. All we have to do is open our heart, open our mind, open our spirit to the presence of a living God and He'll begin to invade our life and fill us with a new boldness and a new grace and a new courage. Lord, this morning we spread our hand toward You saying, Here I am. I dedicate this year to You, O God. Lord, this is Your year and I dedicate every part of it to You. Every day, every month, all the minutes of every hour. Lord, I dedicate to you. Lord, guide my steps. Direct my heart. Build a hedge around my life. Let this year be the greatest year of my life because this will be the year of my surrender to you in a total way. Oh God, I cry out to you with a heart that is hungry and thirsty for you. Lord, let there come a canopy of your grace upon City Bible Church for a hunger and thirst after the living God. Lord, I pray there will be a returning of every prodigal. Lord, I pray this will be a year of many salvations. Lord, I pray this will be a year where not one marriage will be lost. Lord, I pray this will be a year where healing and miracles will take place in the house of God and every day of the week. Lord, I pray right now, the anointing of the Lord upon your house, your prayer, and your worship, and your people. Lord, we dedicate ourselves and 2008 to be a year of new beginnings, a new hope, new vision, a new dream. Oh God, let that spirit be upon every single person. We receive from the living God this morning. Jesus' mighty name. Stand to your feet. I'd like you to take your neighbor by the hand and close up all the gaps and the aisles. Just close up. We're going to pray like Ezekiel 22. means that the congregation have to come in from both sides, go toward the middle. We're going to close up all the gaps. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30 said, Behold, I look for a man who would stand in the gap and build a wall, that I might not destroy the land, but restore it and bless it. It says throughout the Bible that God seeks for intercessors, those who will pray in spirit and in truth, those who will stand in the gap, those who will persevere and endure. Those who will resist the devil. Those who will pray revival upon people's lives. Those who will actually do something mighty in the kingdom of God. 
For greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And our God is in us to rule and to reign and to do mighty things in our life. And we need to stand in prayer together, closing up the gap. There's gaps in our lives, in our own soul. But there's also gaps in other people's lives we can pray for. We're going to pray right now, one for another. Pray for the person on your right, on your left. Also, we're going to pray. You can follow with me, but I want you right now to begin to pray out loud yourself. Everybody on every campus, I want you to begin to lift your voice and say, Lord, here I am. I'm standing in the gap today. I'm a prayer warrior. Come on, lift your voice right now. Oh, God, here we are standing in the gap for one another. Oh, Lord, we're praying that there would be nobody picked off by the devil. Lord, we're praying there will come miracles. There will come a move of the Holy Spirit in my brothers and my sisters, in all the husbands and the wives, uh, the brothers and the sisters of the family, the aunts and the uncles, the moms and the dads. Lord, the people we work with, let there come a moving of the Holy Spirit in their life. Oh, God, we stand in the gap today for miracles in the home, miracles in business, Miracles in the body for healing. Lord, we stand in the gap today for prodigals to be touched and people's life to return to Christ. Oh, God. I pray right now. I want you to begin to pray for your own heart. Just say, Lord, visit me during this time. Come on, pray for yourself. Oh, God, visit me. Visit my heart. Visit my spirit. Build an altar in me. Let me be a person of dedication. Oh, God. Today is your day. And I build in My prayer, a place for God to move. Lord, I believe. I believe you want to do awesome and great things. We receive your word into our spirit. Lord, we receive a word into every person's life during this time period. Oh, God. Oh, God. During this time together, we'll be moving into a 40-day prayer and fasting. 40 days of prayer and fasting on the level that God will lead you to pray and fast, but I'm calling the entire congregation to consider what you will do during this time from January 16th to February 24th. It's a time when we call our church aside, a sacred assembly, a time of prayer, fasting, seeking God with some definite prayer goals. But I also want to dig into your life and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with you as an individual in your home, in your business, in your life, to make sure that everything that should not be in your life is left behind, cut out, things that should be in your life are put in, that you experience during this 40 days a great encounter with God. I realize that fasting is not the favorite American word. I know that we like to eat. I know that we eat on every occasion. I also know we're addicted to a lot of entertainments and a lot of things we do. We waste a lot of time. I also know that Bible prayer and Bible fasting is at an all-time low in America, all-time high in other countries around the world. We'll sing, we'll give, but to fast and to pray is a discipline, and not a lot of people encounter that discipline in their whole lifetime. But I'm going to lead you into a fast and a prayer time that will be, I think, grace of God, 
I believe there will be an anointing upon this fast and prayer time as a church that you can actually rise up in the corporate grace that will come upon us at City Bible Church and you'll find this fast to be easier for you, to be motivational. You'll find it to be a time of real spiritual awakening as you do it with the whole church. When the whole church cooperates with the truth, there comes an anointing upon that truth, comes a strength upon that grace. And then we move forward and we fulfill that as we've just done with Faith Harvest. There was a grace on the church to give during that time period of faith comes on as everybody is activating faith. Faith begins to cover the entire congregation. I believe the same thing will happen during the time of fasting and prayer. There will come a spirit of hunger upon you. There will come a spirit of thirst for God because the whole church will experience it. And as that spirit lands on the church, and as people begin to fast and pray and plow their field, begin to get the rocks out of their life and pull out the weeds, it will affect you. You'll find yourself being lifted up to a place where you'll want to pray. You'll want to wait on God. You want to pull some weeds out of your life. You want to take some rocks out of your field. You want there to come an awakening to your spirit. During this time, I would deal with six particular awakenings over the 40-day fast. Awakening alignment. How we align ourselves to Jesus, the word, principles, and where we are out of alignment. I want to deal with those things. We'll talk about awakening abandonment. How to surrender every area of your life. Every room in your house. Every thought in your mind. Every emotion you have. Every experience you've gone through. How to lay them at the feet of Jesus. How to surrender your life afresh and anew. I surrender all, all to thee I give my life. There's a time when we need to revisit the surrendering doctrine and make sure that our whole life has been submitted to God where we will say, not my will, but thy will be done. I surrender my mind, my will, my emotions, my decisions, my future. Here I am again, Lord, saying to you, you're my, my Lord and the Lord of my life. I give you the right to direct every step that I take. Third, I want to deal with agreement. Petitions, supplications, intercessions, prayers, how to agree together, how to write out prayers, how to get people to pray with you. Fourth, I want to deal with anticipation, how to put hope and anticipation in every arena of your life and also amazement, how to awaken amazement in all of us. The Bible is an amazing book. God is an amazing God. The Holy Spirit is an amazing Holy Spirit. We have amazing things happening around the world that are mind-boggling. I want to draw your attention to awakening amazement in your life. Looking for the miracles and the signs and the wonders, the supernatural things that are going on in you, around you, in our city and in our world. I also want to awaken advancement. How you can begin to move forward and some practical steps and how you can be a success in the kingdom of God. During fasting and prayer, certain things begin to happen to our thinking. We begin to realize that the eternal part of our life maybe has shrunk and the temporal part has actually grown. We actually live in this world, have emotions in this world. We think this world is our success. And before you know it, everything about our life is entwined with this world, a temporary system that will all pass away. Most everything you're doing will pass away. It won't go with you to the grave. It won't come with you out of the grave, and it won't go into heaven with you. Most of the time we spend are temporal things, things that will not account for anything. 
But they clothe us and they help us and we need to live life. I understand that. We need to have jobs. I understand that. We need to enjoy one another. I understand that. I'm not a killjoy. I'm not saying you don't do anything but just pray all day long like a monk in a monastery somewhere. You live life. But in living life, the core, the motivational part, the greatest part of your life should be the kingdom of God. It should be the eternal. And around us, there's all kinds of eternal souls that are going to make a decision this year whether they will go to heaven or hell. And once that decision is made, there's no turning back. What would happen if you knew Christ was coming back today at 3 o'clock? What would happen if you knew everything about your life would end in a few hours? Everything about the era we lived, the last 6,000 years, which is just a short span of time compared to all of eternity, which is billions and billions and billions and billions, no beginning and no end. We enter into a new phase, a phase of no end. Time is no more. No more days, months, years. No more sun. Nothing that we've ever experienced in this life is taken with us into the eternal realm that we will live in. If you knew that everything would end in a few hours, would you say to yourself, I have lived my life with eternity in mind. I have eternal rewards. I have eternal seeds that I've sown. I have made decisions for the eternal. I will move into heaven at the second coming of Christ with a great shout and say, I live my life according to the divine principles of the word of God. I am ready to close this chapter. Or would you say, I wish I had more time. If I would have known it was going to end today, I would have given more time to prayer, more time to people, more time to the eternal. More time to loving Jesus, who I will spend eternity with. I would have changed the way I lived. I would have realized that a lot of things I'm living for are gone. Just like that, they're gone. Never to be resurrected again. Fasting and praying is an adjustment of your spirit man to understand how much of the temporal and how much of the eternal you're living for. And you begin to what? Align your life. You begin to change the way you live. You begin to invest in something different than maybe what you're investing most of yourself in. Now, that's why prayer and fasting is so important. Something inside of you wakes up. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 2, in that scripture it says that the angel came to the prophet and the scripture says, and the angel that talked with me awakened me out of sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And I said to the angel, I see a lampstand with a bowl on top of it. And I see seven lamps on this lampstand. And I see an olive tree on both. And he starts describing what he saw, which was in the eternal realm, something that was descriptive of a prophetic act that was going to take place within that nation, that time, in the next 50 to 100 years. He was actually seeing something in the eternal realm. He was seeing something in the spirit realm that the natural man could not understand. But the angel had to shake him and wake him up so that his spirit man would come alive. And he says, now, what do you see now? 
Well, I see something totally different. I don't just see a temple that's ruined, and I don't see the nation that's annihilated, and I don't see all the hopeless around the city. All of a sudden, I'm in another realm. I see a lampstand, and I see oil, and I, I see something going on, and, and the mountains that's in front of us are going to be moved, and, and the weak are going to say they're strong. And, and as you read Zechariah chapter 4, this man entered into another realm, the realm of the Spirit, where he could hear what the Spirit was saying. I want you to be awakened. Awaken. I want you to actually receive the shaking of the Holy Spirit. Just like a man that would take a person by the shoulders and shake them. Sometimes it's a shake to say, wake up out of sleep. It might be a child just to get him out of bed. It might be a sleeper that you can't wake up and you have to shake him a lot. But there's another awakening that's either harder than that. It's when a person doesn't listen. They don't understand. They will not realize where they are. They won't realize the consequences of their steps. And you want to take them and shake them and say, look at me. I'm talking to you. What you are doing is wrong. Wake up. Smell the coffee, buddy. You're on a one-way trip to disaster and you shake them because you want them to wake up and not destroy their marriage or their children or their health or their spiritual life or whatever it might be. And that's the kind of awakening I'm talking about. It's not just awakening out of your normal sleep, but your spiritual sleep. When dullness of spirit takes over your spirit and you can't see where you're going, you can't see the steps you're taking, you don't know all the decisions you're making, the Holy Spirit needs to step in, take you by the shoulder, then shake you and say, Hey, wake up. Spend time with that kid. Wake up. Quit messing with that computer. Wake up. What in the world do you think you're doing? You cannot mess with that lady. She's a married woman. You're a married man. And you are flirting with her. Wake up, buddy. What is wrong with you? Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to move into our life and just shake hell right out of us. We need the Holy Spirit to shake us. If you're going the wrong direction, stop us. If you're close to spiritual things, open up. The Holy Spirit is very concerned for the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the church of America. These are not bright, mighty revival days. These are days of backslidden churches backslidden leaders, broken principles, families falling apart, moral depravity off the charts. These are days when the whole nature of man is so polluted we don't quite know which way to go. These are days where everyone is crying out for change, but they don't know how to change or what to change. Mixed religions, mixed philosophies. Our nation has some deep, serious problems. The family has some deep, serious problems. Marriages and homes and young people and morality, mindset, philosophy, values for living are so out of whack. 
What we need in our nation is a bona fide, true awakening where people wake up and say, I will follow God. I will obey the Bible. I will not live a double life. I will let Jesus be my Lord. I will be a genuine Christian. I will raise my family right. I will give to missions and church planning. We will turn our nation around and take the nations for the world. Can I hear an amen? We need an awakening. The word awakening in the Bible has five shades of meaning. One, it means to awake to excitement, be shaken into a realm of life and excitement where you feel it. To awake means to cease from your sleeping. Sleeping in the Bible and slumber spiritual annihilation of your spirit in you to respond to God is that kind of sleep that will cost you. The Bible is continually talking about the people who slumber and sleep, the lukewarm, Matthew 25, the foolish virgins with no oil, knocking at the door because they ran out. They went to sleep at the wrong time. Awake is to be aroused to attention. That is, you hear the voice of God. You respond to conviction. You're attentive to the word. You're not like the young man in Proverbs who hears but never obeys. You're not like the person in Proverbs who kicks against all the thorns because they will not follow the right path. They're not attentive to the ways of God. You know a lot of things more than you live. You know what's wrong. I would not need to preach right now that sex before marriage is wrong. You know sex before marriage is wrong. In the Bible, it's called fornication. It is wrong. But there are thousands of Christians that have sex outside of marriage and belittle it or push it aside because it's a cultural thing. Well, we're going together. We might get married. We sleep together once in a while, but we're pretty good. It's an abomination to God. It's wrong. It's a bondage. You are ruining your soul and your emotions. You're, you're breaking the word of God. It is never right to sleep with someone before marriage. I don't care how much you love them, what they say to you or what you say to me. It is wrong. Wrong. Adultery is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. Lying and stealing and cheating is wrong. And we could go right through the list, but you already know that. I don't need to preach this to you as if it's some revelatory thing that's coming out. Well, fornication is wrong, adultery is wrong, homosexuality is wrong, lying is wrong, cheating is wrong, lack of integrity is wrong, not doing the right thing with business is wrong. Ah, I didn't know that. Of course you know that. The problem is not the knowledge. The problem is we are not attentive. We're not attentive. Holy Spirit says, hey, don't do that. So and so does it. Nothing happened to them. Knocking on your door. Hey, don't lie about that. You don't have to. Well, you know, I don't trust that person, so I'm just going to stretch it out a little. Why? Hey, that's not how you treat people. Don't do that to your friends. Don't use people like a styrofoam cup. and Throw them away. Don't, don't be a styrofoam Christian. Don't take advantage of people. Don't spiritualize yourself into a place where you can take advantage. I mean, on and on. We know, but sometimes we don't respond. Fasting and prayer is a time where the Holy Spirit comes on us and he gets our attention and he says, hey, I want to talk with you about these things and I want you to obey them. 
And when you're fasting and praying, your spirit man is stronger than your flesh man and stronger than your carnal man. You begin to respond to the things of the Holy Spirit. And before you know it, you put fornication out of your life. And that will be a great decision for you. You put adultery out of your eyes. That's a great decision for you. You put business practices back in your prison, uh, business that are practical and biblical. No matter what happens, that is a great decision for you. Before you know it, your life starts aligning and you awaken and you're aroused to attention. Fourth, you're filled with the fire of God. When you fast and pray, an awakening comes to your spirit, fire comes. Fire burns dead wood. Fire burns the dross. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and it says it was like fire. When you read the Bible, you will find most of the altars that were built had fire come upon them. Fire is a symbol of the power of God to come upon our life, to burn in us an enthusiasm, a zeal for God that would cause us to push into the things of God because there's fire in our bones. What kind of fire are you housing in your bones? To awake is to have a fervent desire for God. A fervent desire for God will come out with your prayer and your fasting and waiting on the Lord and your worship and your church attendance. How you get involved with a small group and how you serve people and what you do with the unbelievers and the poor and the needy. And because you have a desire for God, you want to help other people because that's the very nature of God. Jesus said, when they were saying, well, when were you hungry and we fed you and we were... You were thirsty and we gave you water and you, you were naked and we clothed you. What are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? Says that's what he said. He says, as you have done it to the least of these, you did it to me. So the more you get God, the more you help people. The less you help people, the less you know God. You cannot love God and hate people. First John says that too. But as you fall in love with God and the fire burns in you, before you know it, you start reaching to people. Who are you reaching to? Or have you closed your life out and off and it's isolated? Romans 13, verse 11. Message translation. What a great translation of this verse. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations. Is that not America in a nutshell? Absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations. That you lose track of the time and you doze off. Oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God has put in the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. Another translation, Romans 13, 11, NLT in the Weist Bible. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. Wake up. Knowing the strategic season, it is an hour now for you to awake. It's a strategic time. 
Wake up. I believe if you could hear the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would be right next to your ear right now saying, Hey, wake up. Wake up. You're going to lose your wife. Wake up. Wake up. You're going to lose your husband. Wake up. You're going to lose your morals. Hey, wake up. You are dwarfed in your growth in the kingdom of God. Wake up. Wake up. You're getting more and more like this culture, more and more like the people you live around. There's no difference. Don't you understand what's going on? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I feel in my spirit a huge prophetic unction that is speaking to our church to hundreds and hundreds and maybe a few thousands of our people. And that word that has come into you is wake up. Before it's too late, wake up. Not after your friend gets in an accident and dies and is unsaved. And then you wake up. Oh my God. I didn't think they would die this soon. They're only 30 years old. I didn't think they would die like that. If I would have known that, I would have pursued them and made sure I knew for sure they had accepted Christ. Could it be that the Holy Spirit comes along and says, Hey, wake up. That friend, wake up. They're crying for help. Can't you hear what they're saying to you? Wake up. Are you so filled with yourself and this world that you can't hear? Wake up. Wake up. Before you know it, something pops open. And you start seeing the whole world different. You start seeing your children your spouse, your friends, everyone around you, something opens up and you realize you're hearing for the first time something you never heard before. Wake up. How do you wake up? Well, you have to get out of these situations. Those in need of awakening might be people like this right here. People that maybe if you said any of these things, I want you to, every time I read one of these words, if it's you, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, help me. That's all I want you to say. Just, just cry out to God and say, Holy Spirit, that's me right there. Please help me. Don't let me live this year as a person who is stuck. I'm stuck. Have you said that? I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this situation. I'm stuck in this relationship. I'm stuck in this job. I'm stuck in this life. I'm stuck in these emotions. I'm just stuck. I can't move forward or backward. I just, I just feel so stuck. I, I can't seem to break out of all this stuff. How about I'm frustrated? You know, I'm frustrated because I don't know what to do. I, I just feel these anxiety things or I'm slipping. I can feel it. I'm slipping back to my old ways and back to things I shouldn't do. And I can feel the gravity of the old carnal man just pulling me backwards. I don't want to go backwards, but I can feel it. I'm, I'm slipping back to my old negative self. I'm slipping back to my old Andre self. I'm slipping back to my old carnal self. I'm slipping back to some habits I had in high school. I'm slipping. I can feel it. I'm empty. 
I'm empty. I don't have destiny and purpose. I'm, I'm bound. There's some things that enslave me and I don't understand it, but I just seem to give in so easily to these areas that bind my thoughts and my heart. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I ask for help, I won't get it. If I go to God, I won't find him. If he comes to me, he won't help me. I'm afraid I can't change or won't change. I'm, I'm afraid this is it. I'm longing. There's something in me that's reaching out. I can feel it. It's a change that needs to come and I'm longing for it. I'm lukewarm. Lukewarm in church. Lukewarm with everything in life. I'm desperate. I'm indifferent. How do you break these things? Well, that's why I'm calling the church to a fasting and prayer time together as one congregation. I'm leading you into a biblical experience. And if you will just follow Just do the most basic things I teach you. Your life will change. If you will just bring up even the prayers I prayed already and at least just whisper in your heart, God, that's me. Oh, God, I need this. Get rid of your pride. Push away your haughty spirit. Don't let yourself slam dunk yourself in your old habits. Humble yourself. Ask for help. Open up. Even if your friends see you doing it, say, what are you doing? You you do this. Well, you're not going to change that. Just ignore your friends. Afraid that your spouse might hear you and your spouse say, I've seen you do this before. Ignore the before talk. Just open yourself up to God and allow the Holy Spirit to work a miracle in you that's never been worked before. What's wrong with today? Today is the first day. Today is a great day. Today is God's day. What's wrong with today being the day of a beginning of a brand new you and an awakening in your life that will change the rest of your life? What's wrong with today? There ain't nothing wrong with today. All it takes is a responsive heart and God moves in. Don't procrastinate. Don't make excuses. Awaken with fasting and prayer. Here's four scriptures I want you to write down. Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 8. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to do what? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? To let the oppressed go free, break every yoke. Come on, Holy Spirit. We're believing for this fast to be our fast. Loose the bands, undo the burdens, let the oppressed go free, break the yokes. I want everyone to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Bring them to your house and take care of the poor. When you see the naked, cover them. That your light will break forth and your healing She'll spring forth. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Joel 2, 13 and 15. Verses 12, verse 13 and verse 15. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me. How? With all your heart. How? With fasting. Weeping. Mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Blow the trumpet in Zion. That's what I'm doing this morning as a shepherd. I'm blowing the trumpet and I'm consecrating the fast and a sacred assembly. And I'm saying to you, follow hard after this and see what God might do. Ezra 9, verse 5. At the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting. Having torn my garments and my robe, I fell on my knees. And I spread my hands, which is a biblical thing. 
to the Lord my God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared because of the enemy coming. He set himself to seek the Lord. And what did he do? He proclaimed the fasts throughout the whole nation. So Judah gathered together to what? Very simple. To ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They just gathered together and said, oh God, help. Help me. Help me. I want everyone out loud just say, oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. Come on. Oh God, help me. When you're desperate, you cry out like the blind men when Jesus came by and people started saying, be quiet. You're irritated. Don't yell so much. And they just started crying out even the more because there was a miracle for them. They knew that Christ could do it. So they started crying out, Jesus, 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 we're over here. And finally, just who is that that's screaming? It's these blind guys. We're sorry, Jesus. They're just like this. Well, blind people are like that. They're desperate. They need a miracle. They don't care what you think. They're not embarrassed by how loud they cry out. They just cry, Jesus, help. Jesus says, I heard that. Come on, let's cry it out a little louder. Jesus, help. Jesus, help. Come on, a little louder. Jesus, help. That's the cry of the Spirit. And if you could hear the cry of the Spirit in your neighborhood, in your schools, and on the street, it is much louder than this. People saying, oh God, I wish I knew what to do with my life. And we're the people that are fasting and praying for them. A biblical fast is very simple. Here's a definition. Going without food. That in itself does not constitute a biblical fast. If you want to go hungry, go without food, do some dieting. That does not mean you're fasting and praying. It won't have a dynamic effect on you. A biblical fast is when you go without food in order to focus yourself on God and his strength and his word. So you trade every mealtime for a prayer time. Every evening time for a reading time. You change your habits for 40 days. You focus yourself, taking your eyes off the things of this world and focusing yourself on God. A biblical fast is a focusing on God. What are the spiritual benefits and the power of fasting? Oh, there's there's many. Here's a few. Fasting removes distractions. Takes your eyes from wandering puts them right on God. You realize what's been taking you away from that. Two, fasting concentrates your whole life on God. You set your face, you set your being, you set your time, you set your calendar. Fasting cleanses your soul. Habitual sinful behaviors or attitudes that have victimized, enslaved, hindered, obstructed you. You can break And you can strengthen your will, renounce, you can take responsibility, and you can disown those things that have wrapped themselves around your character. Fasting empowers the spirit man. As you begin to fast and pray and read the word, your spirit man will come alive. If you've never ever had a bubbling up of your spirit man, I'm telling you how to do it. 
40 days of prayer in the Word, morning and evening, noontime. Every time you get a chance to read five or ten scriptures, every time you get a chance to listen to some good worship, every time you get a chance to meditate on the Word, your spirit man will start eating. It will only take a few days before Ephesians 3.16 kicks in and you will have strength in your inner man. The hidden person of the heart will start taking on some new ability to move in the kingdom of God. Fasting deepens humility. Why? Because it breaks our flesh down. We humble ourselves and we're saying, God, I can't do it by myself. Fasting intensifies our prayers. Prayer aims at a definite object, has a direct desire, something specific. But when you fast and pray, it's like a double portion. You really laser beam that prayer. It intensifies your prayer. Fasting feeds your faith. As your faith needs to be lifted up and fed, prayer possibilities are the possibilities of what? Of faith. As you pray, your faith has to come in to the arena somewhere because prayer will be activated on your knowledge of how big God is, what God can do, how God works, how much faith you have in the scripture. And so as you pray, your faith is strengthened. As you fast and pray, your spirit man gets a hold of the word quicker and your soul enlarges more quickly. Fasting also produces self-discipline in a very undisciplined age. Listen to me. If you can say no to food, you can say no to anything. Food, because we're born to eat. Our body doesn't do well without food. And we have a natural survival tactic that wants more food. And of course, in our particular nation, we are addicted to so many kinds of food. Most of them are unhealthy. And we like to eat and food becomes kind of an addiction of the flesh. If you can actually take your flesh and say no to food, you can say no to moral temptation. You can say no to the wrong decision. You can say no to the devil because you have strengthened your will and you realize you're in control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And when you move in the Holy Spirit with fasting and prayer and you put the Word of God in your heart, you actually have the ability to strengthen your will. And when you strengthen your will to do God's will, you can serve God better. You can say no to the right things, yes to the right things. Your life evens out. It's a better life to live. Why? Because you have control over your flesh. Your flesh says, buy it now. The Holy Spirit says, wait, but there's no interest. You'll get it all before it's over. Your flesh says, go ahead, eat that donut. The Holy Spirit says, no, you're on a fast. Your flesh keeps it up. Then you grab your flesh. You take it by the neck. You wrestle it down to the floor. You put your foot on top of its neck and you say to your flesh, next time you tempt me like that, I'm going to add another day to the fast. Your flesh comes out again. You wrestle it to the ground and say, if you do that again, I will embarrass you. I will confess it before everybody. Your flesh is filled with pride. Your flesh has something in it that doesn't like those kind of things. You can actually wrestle your flesh and confront your flesh and have control over your flesh. It's true. Here's some personal fasting goals that I want every one of you. Hopefully you'll jot these down real quickly. They're very simple, but they work. One, 
In this time of fasting and prayer, seek God in private, a quiet place for an unhurried time. Find a quiet place in your car on the way to work. 20 minutes, pray. A room in the house, a walk around the block. Where can you find a quiet time? John Wesley's mother, because she had 17 children, God bless her, she used to sit in the kitchen and put an apron over her face. When the apron was over her face, all the children knew not to bother Susanna because she was in a time of prayer. She made that her prayer room. There was no place else she could go. You can have a prayer room wherever you make it quiet and it's your private time to concentrate. Two, seek God for grace to surrender every area of your life to Jesus. Every room, every part, everything to do with you. Bring it to the cross again and say, Lord, here I am. Three, leave your past behind. Seek God to close the door on some of the stuff that's haunting you. Some of the things that keep falling around and snapping at your heels. Put the past behind. Reach into a new God-ordained future. Four, forgive people. Seek God to forgive all who have offended you. How many in the services this morning on all campuses have ever been offended before by someone else? Wow, it's almost 100%, isn't it? How many of you have known that you offended someone else? How many of you right now know that you have an offense with someone? Forgive. Seek God for a spirit of forgiveness. Listen, whatever you've carried this far in life, I don't care if it was one week ago, one month, 10 years, 50 years, let this 40-day fast be the time where you release people who have offended you and you seek their forgiveness and you give forgiveness. Five, seek God for fresh move of the Holy Spirit in your soul. Begin to open up and say, God, move in me, help me, freshen me, revive me. Six, awaken hunger in me. Awaken a new hunger in my life. Create a craving, an appetite, and a passionate desire in my soul. That's what hunger is, just a new appetite. The more you eat something, the more you want to eat it. The more you drink coffee, the more you have to have it. The more you pray, the more you have to have it. The more you read the word, the more you have to have it. You create a hunger and an appetite for the things that you like. If you don't have an appetite for the word and prayer, create one and go hard after God. Psalm 63 says, God, you are my God. I long for you. My whole being desires you like a dry, worn out, waterless land. My soul is thirsty for you. Let me see you in the sanctuary. Let me see how mighty and glorious you are. Listen to this translation. God, you're my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of worship. Eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. See, God, for power to resist the devil. Some areas where the devil has found an open door, an open window, shove him out. Seek God for a breakthrough in other people's life for salvation and the prodigals that you know. Make a list of people. Everybody here, I'm going to ask you for a name next weekend. Have it. I want to build a list on every campus where we'll do 
a board of people's names. Hopefully it will be hundreds of thousands of names of unsaved people in the metro area, prodigals in the metro area that we can pray for. We want to post them and just for 40 days put our hands on that board and pray that God will break through and bring salvation to these people. Can I hear a big amen? Knowing that people are praying for those names. And last, see God for an appointed tipping point in your life. A tipping point is a moment when a shift takes place, momentum changes. In basketball games, it can be just a few seconds. Momentum shifts. Coaches get real nervous because you can watch it on television. When that momentum shifts, you can hardly stop it unless there's a timeout or something else. And you try to stop the momentum of what has happened. So in business, there's a shift. There's a tipping point. So in a nation, there's a tipping point. There's tipping points in economy. There's tipping points in morality. There's tipping points in your life where you can actually tip the scales toward a work of God by prayer and fasting that might just tip the scales toward a breakthrough in your life and a miracle that can take place.